Let's turn for a second time then to the story of Mary and Martha. We find them in Luke and uh, chapter 10 from verse 38 down to verse 42. So let's read the account again. That's uh, Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village. And this particular woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now she had a sister whose name was Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Go and tell her to help me. Now Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Our text is verse 42, so let's read verse 42 again. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Well, let's ask God to help us then as we turn to his word. Lord, we thank you that we are able to look at this story again, and for many uh, of your people, this is a story with very powerful resonance. And most identify with Martha rather than with Mary. And Lord, we recognize how interesting that is. Lord, as we take up this story this morning, we ask our God that you would help us to work out what we are being told here. And we want to put this particular story into the context of our theme. So we commend ourselves to you and uh, we ask, Lord, for your help because, our God, we are unable to listen unless you help us. Lord, we are unable to do anything unless you help us. So hear us then, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we know, don't we, that what we're doing on a Sunday is we're trying to make sense of all the changes that are happening in our society that you and I are living through. And uh, one of you said to me last Sunday after the service that, uh, well, she said to me she didn't recognize herself in what we are talking about on a Sunday morning. We are not saying that what we look at on a Sunday morning is necessarily what you and I are like. What we are trying to do instead is understand the changes that we are witnessing in our society and we are seeking to learn how to live in such a society. We read earlier from Ephesians 5 and uh, it's often the case, if you look at Paul's epistles, that the second half of an epistle is devoted to understanding society. So Paul will talk about family life, he'll talk about employment, Paul will talk about how societies function, he'll talk about what societies value, he'll talk about how people behave, 
how non-Christians behave. He'll talk about time and how we need to think about time and use our time. So it's very interesting to see how Paul spends so much of his uh, epistles in dealing with the subject of society, how to live in society. And that's what I want to do with you. We, we are witnessing tremendous changes. And I'm sure most of you remember by now that we've said three things about change. What we are seeing is a change in how men and women understand themselves. What it is to be a boy, what it is to be a girl. And we are being told that boys and girls from the ages of five or six and upwards now think about themselves as boys and girls in different ways to that which we've traditionally done. So what we are witnessing are changes in society that even the youngest members are beginning to experience. We are witnessing changes in what it means to be married. And we are also witnessing changes in what it means to have a family. Now these are three fundamental areas in which tremendous change is taking place. And I doubt if any of us are unaffected by those changes. A few weeks back, I intended to look at how Genesis um, lays these foundations uh, to look at that in prayer meeting. But uh, things took an unexpected turn. So we may well, tomorrow, uh, take a look at those passages. So society is changing then. And uh, we looked last week at this story of Mary and Martha to see that we are living in a time when society is very anxious. Now, you might not be anxious, but whenever you look in society, there are reasons to be anxious. And uh, what we are told constantly is that men and women are more anxious than they've ever been. So, perhaps you can remember last Sunday, we, uh, I gave you that list of people uh, that we are told about today are experiencing such levels of anxiety that they are no longer able to do their jobs. So it's a changing society. It's an anxious society in which we are living. And we are asking the question, how shall we as Christians navigate our way how are we going to live day by day in this changing society? Well, let's come to Mary and to Martha. And uh, last Sunday, I wanted you to think of Martha as a picture or an example of many people in society today. If you look at verse 41, Jesus says that she is worried and troubled about many things. She has what we would call today general anxiety disorder. She's worried in the moment. She's serving. She's uh, offering hospitality. So she's busy and stressed and frantic. She's rushing about. She's doing six things at once. 
and uh, she's thinking about someone else, her sister Mary. She's probably worried about things that haven't happened yet. She's worried about the future. That's what Jesus says to her in verse 41. And there are many today, and society itself today is a troubled society, worried about many things. Now, it's very interesting, as I said in our prayer a minute ago, many of us identify with Martha in this story. Are you supposed to? Is that the point of this story? To identify with Martha. And sorry, guys, but it's not. You are not meant to identify with Martha. Neither are you meant to feel sorry for Martha. Because what's clear here is that the person we are meant to identify with is Mary. And Mary is the one who is set up by Christ as an answer or an antidote to worry and stress and a troubled mind. There is nothing troubled or worried about Mary. So let's take another look at her as we find her in verse 39. Now she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now you see, when you focus on Martha and you think, oh, yes, she's like me. I'm like that. I've often thought of myself as Martha. You miss the point of something truly outstanding and radical and almost shocking in this story. And that's Mary. Mary is doing something that is unthinkable. She is behaving in a way that could have led her to being cast out in society. She is claiming to be equal with the disciples of Jesus. She is placing herself in a position of being a disciple. And that was unthinkable for a woman, that she should come in company with men and sit amongst men and act like men and listen like men and behave like men and be treated as a man by Jesus. So he's not treating her as a man uh, just uh, in that sense. He is giving to a woman a place that no one else would have given to her. He is offering to Mary an opportunity that was denied her in the rest of her life. He is treating her with the greatest respect by allowing her this place in society. So to try and make it real, I want to do something that perhaps could get me into trouble, I guess. I want to think about Islam. And I want you to think about how in the more radical forms of Islam, you have this distinction between the men and the women and what men and women are allowed to do. 
So you may have heard this week that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia have allowed women for the first time to drive cars. Can you see the distinction in that society and many societies between men and women? There was such a separation between the two. So if you know anything about Islam and radical Islam, imagine a woman taking off her burqa, coming to a group of men who are studying the Quran, sitting amongst them and participating in their activity. That's as radical as you find here in the story of Mary. So it's Mary who's being held up to us as somebody whom we can live like and be like in a society that is worried and troubled about many things. So let's try and identify instead with Mary. But I want us also to take a look at verse 42. Because what you have here are the very compassionate words of Christ to this sister. So let's read them again. And I want you to notice three things in what Jesus says to Martha. So don't forget now, the background is one of anxiety. The background is one of this woman feeling that she's doing eight things at once. She's being pulled in several directions. She's got a very busy time on her hands. This is what Jesus says to her. One thing is needed. So let's take a look at what that means. And then you've got this second phrase. Mary has chosen that good part. Now, why have I told you about Mary? Many would have said that she was a scandal, that she was an outrage, that she should be punished, that she should be cast out because of her behavior. But here's Jesus saying, she has chosen the good part. So let's take a look at what that means. And then finally, you have this phrase right at the end, which will not be taken away from her. Now that's an amazing phrase, because Mary risked lots of things being taken away from her by the way she behaved. She could have had uh, her home. She could have lost her standing in community because of what she did. But Jesus then emphasized that she has behaved in a way that results in things not being taken away from her. So we'll have a look at what that means. So, I hope it's clear then. Mary is the one whom Luke is setting before us. But I guess what we need to do is look at this verse directed to Martha and say, okay then, you and I, living in an anxious society, living by faith, let's take on board what Jesus says to this woman and let's seek to live by it in this society that we are part of. So the first phrase, one thing, <coughs> excuse me, one thing is needed. Now, what Jesus is saying here, and I really do feel that if you and I are to live by faith in our society, let's think very hard about what Jesus says here in this verse one thing is needed 
And this is a, a, um, an appeal to priorities. What really matters? And that's the phrase here that he begins his conversation with. And what I'm encouraging you to do is think to yourself, what really matters? Now, this phrase, one thing is needed, I think is a bit too profound for me because the main idea here is of simplicity. So, Mary was acting in a very simple way. Martha would have said to you, well, it's more complicated than that. I've got so much to do. I've got so many responsibilities. I've got so much resting on tonight. There's so much on my plate. It's very complicated. Now, that's what you and I would say, wouldn't we, about our lives. We would say our lives are complicated. That when we start another week now, We've got things to do at home, and we've got work, and then we've got responsibilities, and we've got so many things to do and so many people to see. We've got places to go, so many demands on us. We we are overwhelmed with everything. Now, Jesus cuts right into that, and he says to Martha, it's simple. Can you imagine? How powerful that is. Because I know some of you tell me and think that life is complicated. And we go about saying how difficult everything is, how much rests on us, what the pressures are, and we need to be in 20 places at once. But choose this phrase then that Jesus directs to Martha, And he says, it's simple. And when he says it's simple, he means, what are the priorities? Now, I know some of you well enough to know that you're going to start feeling sorry for Martha at this point. And you're going to start to say, well, she did have lots to do. And she did have to organize things. And there was a lot of responsibility. And she had Jesus to to her house. And that really is a big deal. And she wanted to get it right. And she wanted to make a good impression. Now, if that's what you're thinking, can you see straight away that we are not listening to the words of Jesus? It's simple, he says. It is not as complicated as you think it is. Martha could have sat at the feet of Jesus, like her sister, and there could have been no meal, and there could have been no organization, and nothing laid out, and no banquet, and that would have been absolutely fine. Because that's the idea in what Jesus says. One thing is necessary. So I want to ask you to think about your life. You know, it's a Sunday today, Monday tomorrow, work for some of you. There'll be the back to work, back on the train, back to the classroom, back to the shop, 
they'll be back to the hospital and there you'll be and another week will rush past you and you'll be stretched and pulled and, and pulverized and beaten by another week. I want you to think about this phrase. One thing is needed. What's the priority? And that's the appeal that Jesus makes to Martha Hugh. Take a look at what he then says. Mary has chosen that good part. Now, if, it, if there was ever an opportunity for Jesus to say, doing matters more than anything else, then he would have said it to you. We are caught up, aren't we, in doing. And we want to do this, and we want to do that. And we think about all that we've got to do. And when it comes to church life, we get caught up in who is doing what and who's not doing, and, and everything comes about and focuses on this whole idea of doing. And what you have here is in stark contrast to doing. The good part, according to Jesus, that Mary has chosen is hearing. So go back to the verse, and you can see the verse for yourself. It's verse 39. And uh, the emphasis in the text is on the word hearing. And that's the good part that she has chosen. And uh, the idea would be this, I guess. We are going to think about another week and all that we have to do. And uh, what we have to do then has this effect on, on us that we see in Martha. We start to feel this sense of, of rush. And we start to feel that we are resenting what we have to do and burdened by what we have to do. And then as those burdens increase, we start to look around and we start to see what it's like for others. And we start to notice what others are not doing. So those of you in work tomorrow, you'll want to do a good job and you'll want to be like Martha. And uh, Martha is, in a sense, an example of responsibility. She's taking her responsibility seriously. And people who take responsibilities seriously are very likely to become burdened and to become overwhelmed. You want to do a good job, you want to get it right, so you want to be a good teacher, or you want to be a good nurse, or you want to be a good son or a good parent, and it's right that we want to be these things, but your responsibility beliefs tap into the anxiety that you feel. So she wants to do a good job. But Jesus is saying to her that the good job, that phrase there in verse 42, uh, can be translated as good job. She has chosen the good job of hearing rather than doing. Now, again, I bet some of you are going to start resisting. Well, uh, if Martha had done that, there would be no meal. But you see, that's exactly the point. 
Jesus saying one thing is needed. He's not saying, look, it's needed that you get me a meal. It's needed that you lay it all out. It's needed that you get the fancy cutlery and the best china. He's not saying that. He's saying one thing is needed. And that's the good part. That's the good job. And the good job is listening. Listening to the word of Jesus Christ. So we're all here this morning and hopefully all of us are listening. Can I ask you very gently, do you listen during the rest of the week? At what point in your week do you sit and listen? And especially I want to ask you, at what point do you sit and listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Once the week starts and you're thrown into it again and the day's speed passed and you wonder where the time has gone, when do you stop and listen? Because that's the, the life of faith that Jesus sets out for us against a background of being worried and troubled about many things. Now, I know some of you do because you tell me, but I'm asking some of the the rest of you. Do you stop to listen? If you stop to listen to the word of God, then you will be doing the good job that Jesus outlines here in his conversation with Martha. And remember now he's speaking to Martha with compassion and grace and mercy. He's speaking to her for her her own well-being. He is addressing himself to one of his servants, one whom he loves. And he's encouraging her to think about her life as simple, not as complicated. He's asking her to think about her life Not in terms of doing, but in terms of listening. And listening to the word of God as a good job. And then let's take a look at the final phrase at the end of verse 42. He's saying, that which will not be taken away from her. Now again, excuse me. I don't feel I can do justice to some of these phrases because they really need careful thought. See, the implication here is what Martha is doing will be taken away from her. So the evening will end. And the meals will have been ate. And then the day will have ended. And tomorrow's another day. And it'll be forgotten. And you'll have to eat again. And and this is what Jesus is saying to Martha. All the energy she has put in and all the effort she makes will all amount to nothing. It'll pass. Now, in one sense, that's comforting because Martha's not going to be rushing around like this every day. So it's good for her to realize that it's a unique moment. It's a special evening. It's going to be one-off. So that's helpful in itself. But what she's learning is All this fuss and all this stress and it'll all be gone 
and it'll be forgotten. Now, that's a very powerful lesson to live as Christians by. Because all that you're caught up in right now and all that you are overwhelmed by will be taken away from you. It doesn't last. And that's so important, isn't it, to remember? So that you can feel most anxious about a certain thing, but it's not going to last. It's not forever. So at one sense, that's comforting. But then we need to come back to what he says to Martha about Mary. What Mary has done in sitting and listening will last forever. So I want you to think about three things this morning. Think about your life. Don't think it's complicated. Instead of thinking about how complicated it is, this great powerful appeal of Jesus is that it's simple. So are you going to go from here this morning and say, okay then, I'm going to regard my life now as simple. All this stuff that I think is complicated, all the stuff that's rushing around my head, I'm going to reduce it to this one statement. It's simple. That's the first thing I want you to take away. The second is, it's not about doing. It's not what you have to do today and what you think you have to do tomorrow. It's about hearing. You must give priority in your life to hearing. And you must give priority to hearing the word of God. That's the point of Mary. And if it means other things aren't done, then so be it. If it means that you are going to be criticised, then fine. If it means that you are going to be regarded as someone who's a little bit strange and a little bit derelict in terms of your duty. Now, can you see, this is the, the point of these examples, but you and I have to work it out. We're going to have to think carefully about what it means. Because this life of faith against a background of anxiety is what we are examining today. So if it means, then so be it. That's the idea here in verse 42. And the final one then. Can I ask you, in all that you do now in this next week, how much of it will last? How much of it really matters? How much will last in terms of what you're holding on to? In terms of what you think you have to do? There will be a day when all that we now work at and fill our lives with and busy ourselves with will end. And it'll end... And it won't matter. And it'll be over. And it'll be finished. And there'll be no memory of it. 
when the new heavens come and the new earth comes and we see Christ and we are changing to his image and we bear his likeness and we see him for ourselves, then all this will not matter and will not be remembered and will not count and will have no effect. So why can't we ask ourselves now of all of this that I'm so caught up with, so distracted by, how much of it will last? And it's a bit more powerful than that because it's got the idea of being taken away. So do you remember I told you that Mary's in danger of having things taken away from her because of the way she's behaved. But one thing that can never be taken from her is what she's heard that night when Jesus came to her house and she sat at his feet and she listened to him. No one, nothing can take that away from her. So can I stress again, all that we seem to get so stressed about will be taken away from us. It'll be taken away if we get sacked. It'll be taken away when we retire. It'll be taken away if we're ill. It'll be taken away when we die. All these things will be taken away. So what will never be taken away? And I want you to think about your life in terms of what will last? What will go with you into heaven? What will you take with you when you're called to stand before God? And you won't be able to take with you all that you are working so hard on right now. And you won't take with you all the resentments and the bitternesses that so often fill our hearts. All that will be taken with us is what we've learned from the word of God, what we have learned at Jesus' feet, what he has told us and spoken to us about and we've understood and we've treasured and we've built it up in our hearts. That alone will be taken with us into eternity see these final words to Martha are words of eternity and what Jesus does is he brings eternity right in to the kitchen to the living room and he says to her in light of eternity Martha what really matters and that's my job today as we live in a society that's very anxious changing in front of our eyes people are rewriting the script aren't they of what it means today uh, to be a person to be married to have a family what it means to have sex what it means to have gender it's all being rewritten today so our job on a sunday 
is to bring eternity into our lives now. And to have a moment in which we say to each other, we have an eternal future. We will be with Jesus and we will be like him. And there will be this everlasting new heavens, new earth. And there we will be in his image. And the secrets that God is keeping at the moment will be revealed to us. So we'll see uh, the, 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 the glories that are to come. And we'll share in it, and we'll have glory. We'll share in the glory of God in our own lives. Let's bring that moment right here. And in the light of eternity, let's ask ourselves, what matters? What's our life? How is our life? to be ordered. What are we to do? And we are to have moments in our life in which we simplify and we listen, we hear his word, and we invest in that which can never be taken away from us. Well, let's pray.